Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We are so excited. This week, we are discussing Ledge with the author, Stacey McEwen. Stacey, we are so excited to have you back again on our show, but like, I mean, absolutely thrilled to be able to talk about (laughs) your book with you. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. This is like our fourth is this our fourth podcast? Together? Yes, it is. Yeah, so I'm so glad. This is the so this is the first podcast I'm coming back onto to actually talk about my own book and not sort of just speak about, I don't know, like how I wrote it, I suppose. So I'm really excited about it. Yes. Oh, well, we are just so excited to discuss it with you. I'm going to introduce our characters and locations. Vicky will talk about our plot and then we will um we'll start our discussion so so in ledge our main character is named dawson sabar she is a young attractive woman who grew up on the ledge is extremely skilled with an axe and is alone as all of her family has died her grandmother was valma and she was raised by her aunt who she regards as her mother and her name was briar We have Ryan, who is our male main character. He is half Glacian, half human, or hybrid, and he looks different from full-blooded Glacians. He wants to overthrow the Glacian King, who is King Vastile. He enjoys harvesting human souls to fuel his own immortality and believes in the superiority of full-blooded Glacians. We also have Queens Alvira and Cressida, who are the Queens of Teresaw, home of the humans. And that brings us to our locations. So this book takes place on the ledge, which is where a group of humans live on a shelf of a frozen mountain and are subjected to semi-annual raids by the Glacians. We have Glacia, which is a very cold region in the north and is home to the Glacians, who are a race of tall, broad, strong folks with retractable wings, claws, and a poisonous bite. They can only thrive in very cold temperatures. And we have Teresaw, which is where the humans live, in a more temperate climate south of the Glacian territory. Ledge begins with Dawson, a skilled axe wielder and the last remaining member of her family, preparing for the impending selection day where the Glacians, the winged and vicious longtime captors of the people of the ledge, will come to select among the remaining residents who they will take back to Glacia, never to be seen again. Though her friend Hector offers to allow Dawson to stand with his house during the selection to keep her from being taken, she elects to stand alone. And when the Glacians arrive, she is taken with several other villagers. Upon arriving in Glacia, Dawson recognizes several humans from her village who are working as poorly treated servants. Dawson and the others are eventually brought before the king of the Glacians, Fastile, who gives them an option. 
they can jump into a magical pool of iskra, which in essence removes their soul from their bodies, turning them into a shell. Or they can attempt to outrun the glacians on the icy slopes. Dawson, not keen on being soulless, chooses the slopes, but shortly after leaving is found by Ryan, a half-breed or hybrid glacian, who offers to help her. She declines his help and decides to go it on her own, but she runs into more issues and Ryan basically forces his help on her. This is also Ryan's opportunity to escape from the reign of Vastile and to implement his plan to overthrow the king with the other hybrids in Glacia. Ryan and Dawson reach the human village near the base of the mountain and Dawson sees the desolation of what used to be the lands of the people who now live on the ledge. She still does not understand how her people got there. Ryan and Dawson stay in an inn run by Ryan's friend Salem, where she meets Ryan's other friend Ezra, who is smuggling Ryan weapons for his rebellion, and Baltice, a mage who is helping heal, who helps heal Dawson's wounds. Ryan escorts Dawson to the Mecca to meet the queens of Teresaw per her request. Uh, which leaves Dawson out of sorts, dealing with the reality of encountering the people who have lived normal lives while hers has been a constant fight for survival. Ryan and Dawson have a run-in with Glacians who were sent by Vastile. They've come to capture and return Ryan to the king. They kill several of them, but Dawson is hurt in the process. She wakes, healed, but begins to realize that she has been deceived by everyone about the history of her people and how they ended up on the ledge, and she is pissed. She returns to the castle and with Ryan in tow, where she confronts the full reality of the people of the ledge. She discovers that the queen sold her people to the king of Glacia as a sort of truce and so he was given free reign to use them as fodder for keeping their pool of Iskra full, a pool that grants the Glacians immortality. Dawson's grandmother, Valma, was the princess of Teresaw. Her father was the king and died when Vastile came calling. And her grandmother, Valma, mistakenly ended up with the people who were taken to the ledge. Dawson feels incredibly betrayed pulls a sword on the queen, and Ryan flies them out of the castle before they are attacked and killed by the guards. He takes them to a cave as they cannot return to the inn and explains why he did not tell Dawson the whole of her history, which allays some of her anger with him. Dawson and Ryan, who have been fighting their attraction this whole time, succumb to their feelings and become intimate. Dawson makes a plan to help Ryan with his rebellion and they stop quickly at Salem's Inn for supplies before making their way back into Glacian territory. So will they be successful in overthrowing King Vastile? And what will become of the people of the Ledge? All right, this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't read Ledge or if um, you don't like spoilers, uh, this might be the place to stop. Or if you love spoilers and you love listening to Stacey talk and us too, maybe keep listening. Um, alrighty. So, uh, who among us would die within the first month on the ledge? Oh, me, for sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Me right here. Very dead. In fact, I wouldn't even bother trying. 
I would die of exposure immediately, like with in like ten, you know, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, same. Because I've yeeted myself into the chasm, though. Listen, there's no way that I'm staying in a place that's that cold. Mm-hmm. No. What's strange to me is that the like the amount of like I live in Australia. Furthermore, I live in like the northern end of Australia. Snow seems terrible to me. Like I've been to the snow twice. It wasn't the vibes. I have had that many people though sending messages like, yeah, I can't wait to read Ledge and get all the snowy, icy vibes. I'm like, no, I I put the main character in a place to quite literally torture her. Mm -hmm. It's not, she's not there on vacay. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the snow bunny experience you want. No, not, it it's is, not winter wonderland. No, it is very much glacial hell. Yeah. Um, I, mm, there is no way I would want to continue to live in that type of environment. I would 100% just throw, like just slide myself off into the chasm and say, all right, good luck, folks. Yeah, that's me <laughs> for sure. You put me down on that ledge, I'm going to be going, oh, no, thank you. And then just sliding away. It's been nice, but I'm not yeah. doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm ill-equipped. Yes, definitely. Um, it's funny, so when you first told us about this book, I think it was just the title, right? Ledge. And you described it like, oh, they're living on a ledge. I pictured, I don't know if you um, have seen, like it's the old movie of the Grinch that stole Christmas right and it's he like looks over at whoville and he's on like a ledge (laughs) that's what i pictured and so like i'm reading the book well that's not what you got (laughs) (laughs) sorry for misleading you in that way this is not the grid two stalkers okay yeah um you told us when we talked to you last time that you were uh inspired for this setting kind of by like survival shows yeah like survival stories in general I think I've read read a whole bunch of those and watched them too obviously yeah um but yeah kind of always been quite gripped by them sort of you know the man who's like wandering the desert and trying to find an oasis or you know the shipwreck person who's like somehow strung together enough things like MacGyver to make a raft and he's just hoping he finds shore one day like I kind of um I kind of have a thing for those stories I find them really gripping and I think it's because I I find it so interesting thinking about the limits of human beings willing to go in order to survive like the the things that they're willing to do um and kind of going like what would I be willing to do just to stay alive like how far would I go to stay alive um so I'd always kind of wanted to write a story around it so um eventually ledge you know emerged out of that tangle of thought but um that's sort of where it was that's where it started Mm -hmm. um I feel like you did a really great job of uh, crafting the desperation that characters in that that type of situation would feel um like just basically trying to survive like 
the way that you described, I mean, just like Dawson's entire approach to life, but also like Hector's despair at losing his trees, like the um, fight or the clamoring that everybody goes through when they drop off supplies. Like, I feel like you, in the way that you created this scenario, it really comes through just like how driven people are to continue to live in such a harsh environment. And so I, f- I feel like the survival story vibes definitely come through. Yeah, it's a fun little beat treat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just something no, it's light. Very, it's very just something light and positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very much not that. But um, I sort of had figured that if I'd constructed this environment where I was going to dump a, a bunch of characters into you'd have to assume that the people who are left are the most ruthless, you know, like the most merciless um, and mercenary in many ways. So um, I sort of had pictured that the the characters remaining were the toughest of the bunch, you know, they'd have to have been. Um, And so I also kind of concluded that they would likely be a violent sort, you know, Um, and therefore the main character Dawson too and there's almost a like disassociative like part of her that just kind of um untaps you know like she kind of unplugs from all of like everything that she has to do she kind of withdraws herself um from those moments where she has to be violent and it just it kind of happens and um it raised some interesting questions like if a a human was to be raised in a place like the ledge um where you're constantly leaving in this state of fight or flight like what does that do to the human brain we know so much now about how trauma impacts development Mm -hmm. um so I had to try and think of a character that we could still sympathize with but realistically was unwell you know Mm -hmm. I think with that you kind of see some of that coming through like in the way that she approaches her encounters with the the queens later on like just the lack of fucks to give right she uh i mean when when your life has been like just trying to survive every day um there's that moment when she gets to the human village and she's like i want to go to the mecca so they go and she gets and she just like strolls in fucks up some guards and is like i want to talk to your queens like internally I'm screaming you're gonna get killed but I mean it makes sense the way that she's (laughs) responding like literally what can you do to her that has like all of the in the comparison to all of this other stuff yeah and also she's she's not been raised um to know the difference between class and status yeah um to her it's like you know it's every man for himself and there's no one who's valued more highly than the other it's only how long you can survive for why would she give a fuck about someone who's sitting in a castle mm-hmm. and you know the way that she's supposed to address them or how she should approach them and um you know the protocols in place for that she doesn't care you know she's just a little ball of anger mm-hmm. and I think you, there's a line in the book about it too where it's like oh she does not know how to like diplomatically <laughs> approach things yeah you know not having to do that everything just you know yeah exactly she's very much like raised by wolves you know Mm -hmm. she gives off that kind of vibe 
Yeah. I I love her so much. Yeah, <laughs> she is so metal with this act. Yeah. Like, holy shit. You know, there's that guy on uh well TikTok and Instagram. His name's Thorin Bradley, and he just like makes wood chopping thirst traps. Oh, I've seen him, yeah. I mean, it's glorious. And I was thinking this guy's hot, but like Dawson is just so ferocious and brutal and she just chops the shit out of anyone that looks at her sideways and I'm like why am I attracted to this character who's just (laughs) chopping people (laughs) yeah I think Dawson is like the culmination of every little piece of rage inside of my body I think that I put down paper (laughs) I don't know what that says about me but um it's true. I like in many ways, she's like the woman that I I wish that I could be if I could, you know, hold no bars. There were no limits. Um, it would be her. Mm-hmm. She gives me kind of um, poppy vibes from from Blood and Ash, you know? Yeah. 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 I see it. I see it. Yeah. I feel like she's I, she's great, though, with that axe. I love it. Um, yeah. Well, she's so skilled with it. And like, so this sounds like a terrible place to live, but you create some really nice imagery when you're describing it. And there's this one passage where she's talking about like her whittling abilities. And it's just the way that it's written is so nice. Um, So she, like, she can be brutal in the way that she wields this axe, but she can also be skillful and soft. And I think it's a nice sort of contrast in the the extremes that we can see in her character. Yeah. Well, it's almost like um, she turns all that off, you know, when she needs to, when she actually needs to um, be violent or be brutal or murderous, um, she can sort of turn that side of herself off. That's sort of how I saw her I was, as I was writing. Um, there's a scene where uh one of the the men from the ledge i think it's the day that the glacians are coming to get them this guy redmond he approaches her on the ledge and basically offers just to rape her and she's like no i'm not we're not doing that and she (laughs) (laughs) she disables him and just pushes him off the edge of it and that i mean it was just I think like it happened and I was like, oh shit. Like I, it was <laughs> so uh, brutal. Yeah. All sex offenders into the chasm, I say. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I was able to picture it in my head so well of her just like pushing him, you know, like just him going over that edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She sort of, you're right. Cause she kind of, um, she kind of, she disarms him. Mm-hmm. Um, she hurts him a lot. And then she's kind of like, "Mm, not enough. I'm just going to roll you on down this hill. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. This interaction where you have a great line about, is something like, oh, men always forget their manners until they have like a knife in the eye. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of Dawson in a nutshell, you know, just kind of snarky and angry, um, but in a quiet way. Like she doesn't really draw all that much attention to herself. It's... um, yeah, it's very like prescribed for her, but she does seem to have um, a lot of experience with 
um, the men of the ledge and uh, needing and you know them being adversaries to her. So mm. when I was writing that scene, I kind of thought, imagine if you just thought, you know what, fuck you, and just kicked him into the chasm. I like that's what I'd want to do. Mm-hmm. She also has this really, uh, I don't know, sort of nice moment. Like she's like, what does it mean that she does not cry or collapse and that she feels sated instead of remorseful? after she pushes him into the ledge she says briar taught her to always take a life when it threatened hers dawson isn't certain this is what she meant like there's such a i don't know i felt some kind of way about reading that like yeah it's sort of almost her reflecting on what she's just done and wondering like am i supposed to feel bad about this yeah i feel like i should feel bad about it but i don't you know i'm so past feeling bad for my own actions with men like this um yeah I kind of liked that moment as well and there's like there's there's more moments like that throughout where she's sort of self-reflective um and she's kind of aware of the fact that she's a bit you know broken in some ways like she's a bit unusual um and that living and surviving as she has on the ledge has sort of warped her in her way of thinking and she's a little bit aware of it Mm -hmm. um but doesn't know what to do about it so the description when she uses her axe is really great. You know, you talk about, um, or you described how she uses the gravity, you know, to bring the weight down and everything. And it made me wonder, do you use an axe? Like, oh, hell no. No? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> never once in my entire life. That was just good old um, YouTube and Google searches. I had the very great displeasure of having to watch lots of YouTube videos of men swinging axes. What a shame. <laughs> um, all for research. So yeah, I just, I'm really out here just living my worst life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I had to Google things like, you know, like the anatomy of an axe you know and what all the parts are called no I knew nothing about axes or how to use them how to throw them just good old google research and now you're an expert kind yeah of. well so it seems yeah I've never used one but <laughs> if you needed to you could name all the parts if I needed to yeah I could explain to you how to use it yeah that's about it though <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there is a song there's like a verse from a song in here and one thing is and Marissa we've spoken about this before how like I tend to skip over songs um in books because I can't hear a tune or a melody and I did you have one in mind because no because I do the same thing mm-hmm. I read I read them but I read them as though they are poetry and not songs right when they appear in books so if they don't rhyme or they don't have any natural rhythm when you're reading them as a poem does, then it's completely lost on me, right? Because I'm the same. Like I can't imagine, I'm not a musical person, so I can't really imagine like a tune in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I knew I wanted to have that in there though. So I sort of wrote it and said that, you know, she was coming in and it was a song, but wrote it more as a, a poem, I suppose. So that hopefully it like kept some of that rhythm. Yeah. No, it was nice. I highlighted it and everything. And I was like, I wonder if she had something in mind. Not at all. Not a musical, not an axe thrower. Overall, mostly disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) But you are an author. Yeah, there's that. (laughs) 
when you're an author, you can pretend to be lots of things. That's the fun of it. I liked how, so there's this moment that Dawson has with Hector, one of the people who is close to her in age that lives on the ledge. And it, I felt some things when I was reading this scene. So she carves him a table, uh, which is incredible. Um, and carries it to his house in a blizzard and um they have this moment of like shared vulnerability especially him and I thought about how hard it must be to allow moments of vulnerability or just like any semblance of softness with another person when your life is so brutal all the time and when you have to be I mean, just a second away from uh, fighting for what's yours constantly. Um, Hector starts crying when he's with Dawson. And it it just hit me like right in the heart. His fear and his desperation were tangible. And I don't know. I just, they talk about how uh, Dawson has never been, like they they have sex, they have this like, that type of bond but it's not like a true romantic connection and I just wonder do you feel like you could craft a true romantic connection in that type of environment when your daily life requires you to be ruthless so much of the time I think in a fictional setting we could but realistically no I don't think that that could happen um I don't think um brains that are behaving in a constant state of trauma can possibly leap outside of that to make any kind of true romantic connection I think it comes down to like our basic human needs um which is exactly what Dawson and Hector's relationship is but there is like a friendship bond there Mm -hmm. um it's not you know this like their relationship together isn't as shallow as sex and nothing else yeah. um like you know she she carves him a table because he does it she he does she does care about him mm-hmm. and his well-being and he cares about her you know he offers to he's offered to marry her um not because they're in love but because she's alone and he knows that he could offer her um protection he can be the one to stand before their family you know when the Glacians come over um so he's offering her that like that sort of piece of um, protection and companionship even though she rejects him quite hard on that front mm-hmm. but um there they do have that friendship there but it's not it and they have a need as I think humans would in that scenario um but uh no I don't think they like if I had of written a story about two people who live on the ledge that have a romantic connection and then life is all about survival I dare say people would have read it and they would have accepted it you know so I could have turned it into that I just but yeah no like realistically no yeah and you also have the threat of somebody being taken away like not at any moment I don't remember how many intervals it was twice a year Mm -hmm. twice a year yeah 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 you have that you know like somebody not only you know are you in flight or fight mode there's also hey this person if you do have developed feelings for them could die or you know be taken away by these winged creatures glacian yeah that's right that old chestnut not becoming attached to something that you're most likely to lose there's always that as well yeah although I bet the body heat is nice yes 
Well, it's, I kind of set up a nice setting for that whole false proximity mm-hmm. thing. I love that. Oh, there's a blizzard. I can't go home. (laughs) No. (laughs) I think it's interesting. And I like how later on um, she kind of, so Dawson kind of um, compares her interactions with Hector to Ryan. Um, She talks about how Ryan is the only man she's ever like physically slept with and how she and Hector they had their friendship and they they had sex but they never like lingered there was always this like so I guess that you would call it a boundary maybe yeah Um, and I think transactional yeah which I think again just highlights how hard allowing yourself that vulnerability with another person would be when you constantly have to defend what's yours yeah, even just something as basic as defending her cabin, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine in a world like that, like you can just, you, you're not about to just lock the door, turn on the alarm system and go out for a while, you know. Right. So you're talking about defending her cabin and everything. You came up with this, like, she calls it the den of girls, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really. I love the den of girls. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of Little Women a little bit. Like I thought of Marmy and Joe and yeah, Amy and I love Little Women. It was probably partially inspired by that because that's one of my my favorite books, my favorite movies, etc. But um, yeah, so it definitely had those those kind of vibes. Kind of a uh, Marmy if she was like a hard ass, super brutal, not at all vulnerable. <laughs> Dawson's story about Briar's death. just broke my heart then her sister I mean it was just and then later on her stories about her grandma are amazing and super badass but that interaction that she describes um on Briar's last day and how she just slips off into the chasm I just can't imagine how traumatic that must have been for her yeah even um the build-up to um I saw that as being like horribly traumatic as well sort of Dawson just you know uh Briar is her guardian but she calls her her mother and Mm -hmm. um Briar's lost not only her own mother but her her child in place of herself Mm -hmm. and has taken on the burden of that guilt and it's just her and Dawson left and Dawson kind of watches her just crumble you know she just uh, kind of watches her um turn into herself and it's sort of um this progression of like deteriorating mental health so where she gets to a point where she just um she can't she just can't do it anymore and doesn't want to and doesn't see the point um so I saw the lead up to Raya um suiciding as just as traumatic as the actual suicide for Dawson it's just like she's just watching this slow unraveling and um how torturous that must be to a family member you know to watch someone just slowly come undone before them mm-hmm. I had so many thoughts about this whole situation right because I felt so horrible for Briar right she's lost everyone except for Dawson right um and I loved how you wrote like over the I think it was almost a whole year of her um, slow decline. And then I was mad at her because she'd like killed herself in front of Dawson. But yeah, uh, like how could she do that to her? 
Yeah, she mm -hmm. left her alone. And then I'm like, okay, but like mental health care is nothing on the ledge. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't like really be mad at her. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I, and then I thought I was like, well, she's deteriorating so much, you know, she's being like mentally tortured and she can't get mental health care or anything like that. There's no therapist there. So, you know, totally understand. Yeah, there's nothing. There's it, Dawson who's ill-equipped to handle anything like that as well. Um, originally I had written a completely different scene. The original scene was them walking to the chasm and talking as they do. Um, that wasn't changed, but it was um, Briar essentially convincing Dawson to come with her and that they would just end it all together. And, you know, Dawson saying no and choosing to stay and Briar kind of going, well, if, you, if you're not coming, that's fine, you can stay, but I'm out of here, see you, bye. And um, pitching herself over. I changed it because I didn't... Um, I didn't like that uh, Briar would see Dawson as someone who would uh, not give in, that's the wrong word, but someone who would be like intolerable to life at that point. I wanted Briar to see her as this person who was stronger than herself or, or um, had it within her to keep going. So um, I rewrote it to reflect that. But I still didn't like that Briar had sort of led her um, to the edge um, of and you know and taken her to the chasm and sat her down and, and spoken to her in such a loving way and then kind of left Dawson there to watch her die. Mm -hmm. um, it sat really ill with me as all mental illness does tend to it doesn't sort of follow any rhyme or reason and it's really hard to put yourself into the mind of another person who's going through what they're going through. Um, and like I've experienced instances of that in my own life where I look to another person and think I can't possibly imagine why you would have done what you've done. Uh, but that's sort of the whole point of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that. I, I like this version because I feel like I've seen the other version in other books before. Yeah. Too. Yeah, for sure. I didn't want it to turn into this death pact thing. Um, that's yeah. not something that that's not that didn't ring true with Briar's character either. She's just simply a woman who's been worn down to her very, very last, you know? Mm -hmm. Ugh, but it was so sad. And then I was so angry. And then I was sad again. <laughs> it's a lot of feelings. Like I said, nice, easy, beach read. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> read it on holiday. Super mellow. Yep. <laughs> super palatable uh-huh yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah you write a lot of really sad things in this there's another one later on where um I don't want to say her name wrong but Mava how do you say it Mava Mava I say Mava Mava right yeah has this moment with her husband you know they hold hands and they touch foreheads and I was just like this is so sad so sweet. I was like, what is she doing? Why is she writing this? <laughs> See, that's the difference when you know know the person is writing it. You're like, why are you <laughs> such a bitch? Why did you do that? Why are you making me was feel that necessary? Place, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to feel yeah. my own feelings. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Rude. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Maeva. I love Maeva's character too. Oh, um, she was amazing. Yeah, she was incredible. Sadly, she had to go. 
no her, two ways about it. Oh my here. gosh. Her death was wild. Yeah. She was like, uh, fuck you and stabbed herself in the throat with a piece of glass. And I gasped audibly. I was with my family and I like cried out. <laughs> not expecting this <laughs> oh poor Maeva she was such a pragmatic woman as well that's sort of how I saw her she sort of like stood before the king and looked at that pool and was like well I'm, I'm not doing like I, I won't be pitching myself into that um so what are my other options like can I become a slave no like am I able to run from here nope that doesn't seem an option okay death is the only way out and so she just sort of very matter-of-factly took it um yeah, again, in front of her beloved who just sort of had to stand on and watch. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I write scenes like that. But um, <laughs> it is what I don't appreciate you making me look internally like this, by the way, <laughs> you two. I'm not sorry. <laughs> You're not my mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved her character. I loved how she, so she was the healer in the village. And I loved how after they've been taken in the selection, she's still like fulfilling her role, making sure people are bandaged and things like that. And um, I was so like pissed on her behalf when she realized that Garrett, Jarrett, Garrett, Garrett, her Garrett, her husband is there. And she's like, what the hell? Like he won't even, he won't look at her. He won't talk at her. And it's like, mm, he doesn't have a tongue. Okay. It's there. <laughs> you were ready to just throw there. hands I was him so mad. I was like, oh, no, wait. the wait. audacity. This dickhead won't even talk to her. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Garrett. That's funny. <laughs> My husband had the same reaction, funnily enough. He was reading it <laughs> when he got to that. And it was only just recently that he read it too, but he got to that part and turned to me and was like, he won't even speak to her? What a dick. And then a sentence like, he's like, oh, oh, I feel bad. I'm a bad person. I feel bad. It's like, it's okay. I kind of set you up. That's fine. That's on me. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe he'll like get beaten or something if he talks to her. Like maybe he's doing something to keep them both safe person she thinks about other people and what they might be going through not us though <laughs> not everyone else. yeah 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 um so Mava chooses death and Dawson chooses the slopes and uh, I just wanted to say like Stacey you will never understand how grateful I am that you gave Dawson shoes I am always very concerned about people's feet. Um, I think it's, I don't, I don't know if it like, so in PT school, we're taught how important your feet are like, and that's part of the problem with some illnesses, like, uh, peripheral neuropathy sets in and you can't really feel your feet anymore. And then you like step on a needle and don't realize it. And then you lose your whole foot and then your whole leg and it's a problem. And so you gave Dawson <laughs> boots and they were too small but I was still thinking oh god she has shoes everything's gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs> as long as she has the shoes yes <clears throat> that's a weird preoccupation that you have Marissa but I can understand that it comes from your occupation so yes. that makes sense yeah um yeah I kind of again like I'm not a very nice person and as if it, 
wasn't bad enough that she was put on these slopes and told to run like mountain beasts chased her. Um, I thought, let's give her shoes that are too small. That'll hurt. <laughs> Put her in a dress. Make her, her in a dress. No. Yeah. <laughs> she hates dresses. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just glad she had. I gave her an axe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a knife. Yeah. I mean, she was semi-prepared. Yeah. It was better she- than nothing. She was like <laughs> running down a hill and flip-flops. So, I mean... True. I did have her in flip-flops originally, but my editor <laughs> said that it didn't fit in that setting what with the medieval fantasy and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> when she leaves the palace and is running and Ryan catches up to her and tells her to come with him, she says no. Which is the real life yeah. thing that you do, right? Real life people yeah. Don't just be like, okay, I'm going to go with my captor. Everything's going to be good. But in my mind, <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> go with him. <laughs> These books that in real life, I would 100% be like, okay, I'll go with you. <laughs> yeah, for That's sure. Also we also like, <laughs> we, we understand how books work, right? So we, we all knew where that was leading. Yeah. Um, but we have to assume Dawson doesn't. So originally she was like, oh, well, thank you, kind sir, but hard pass. Mm-hmm. So I love that she's constantly trying to like hurt him or kill him or maim him in some way. Yeah, it's so sweet. It is. It's such that. <laughs> no, it's not. That was a trick question and you failed. <laughs> it's not sweet. But he says, I, I love this. So Ryan says, we will reach the bottom of this mountain together. Then we will part and you can go about your days cutting throats and body parts at your leisure. <laughs> yeah. So and she's like, bet. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, lo- I love their interactions so much. Oh, their banter yeah. through the whole book is just a delight. I was glad that's it was- my favorite part about characters in books I think so I'm glad that other people are enjoying it because I enjoyed writing that part that's it those are the best scenes to write they just fly out like those scenes where it's just like two characters having like some kind of heated discussion or even if it's not heated even if it's just funny they come out so fast like those chapters just whew, they're like out there so quickly earlier you said something like forced proximity and stuff so you have some of my favorite tropes in this book right And one of them is when they're like going down the mountain, right? And they find the caves and like, and he sets up like cabins or whatever for them to stay in, right? That he's plotted along the way, which to me is essentially like the one bed trope too, because she's like using him for body heat. And I was just like, I love this. It's one of my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Again, I set up a nice little setting for there to be some forced proximity. False proximity was probably the only trope, you know, like the whole, um, I, I, that was the only trope that I had sort of knew that was going to be in there before it was in there. I didn't want to sort of pluck like five or six different tropes from the air and smash them together and try and turn that into the book. I feel like that would have, out, like, you know, turned out a kind of Frankenstein monster of a book, you know, that didn't quite make sense or didn't quite string together. 
Um, but I knew if there was snow and ice and, and that uh, dying from exposure were, was going to be a thing that that's going to lead immediately to this forced proximity scene. And forced proximity is like one of my favorite tropes as well. So it was always going to be in there. So Dawson, having lived on the ledge for her whole life, encounters a lot of new stuff like money and bodies of water and just things that she's never seen before. And I feel like it must have just been very overwhelming, right? I just, I don't know. I, to think about like all of the things that we know, we know because we've been around them and like literally everything is new to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She said like very bear- much so. I loved how she, so she, there's this river that she goes to get a drink out of and Ryan's like, be careful on the ice. And she's like, my dude. <laughs> I know about ice. I got this. Um, <laughs> What's that sound on TikTok? It's when it's like, don't talk to me of the something like that. I was there when I, it was written. Oh, it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, it's from the Chronicles <laughs> of Narnia. Don't speak the dark or the old magic to me, which. Yeah. yeah, that don't speak of magic to me, which I was there when it was written. Yeah, yeah that's kind of her in that moment. She's like, yes. are you really trying to teach me a lesson on ice now? Really? Me? Yep. Mansplain um, the ice to me, please. Yeah, yeah. please that's, try. I was like, grew <laughs> up on ice. <laughs> but all right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um. When they get to the village, so we meet some new characters and they get to that, that outer village and we meet Salem, the innkeeper or yeah, innkeeper and Ezra and, um, Baltice, the mage. And I really appreciated their characters. I hope that we get to see more of them in the books to come. But they're my babies. They, uh, they're coming with for sure. Yes. I'm here for that. Especially Baltice. Like she was introduced and we learned some like interesting type of things about her but I still want to know more um yeah we really don't know much about any of them really um we we know why they're there for uh Ryan's purposes and we see how they come to aid Dawson but really we don't know anything about them as their own characters so um I'm pretty excited about book two because um yeah they're definitely in there and we get to learn a lot more about them and about their backstories and everything and it's um, it was really fun to write. Vicky? Yeah. Oh, it sounded like you were trying to say <laughs> something. Oh, yeah. I was asking if you had a favorite out of the three of them. Oh, I definitely Ezra. Okay. For sure. That guy is hilarious. He's, I love that character. He's, I mean, he is like just, I'm not ashamed to say he's a comedic relief because he just is. This book is so heavy. Like we've just talked about like all the super sad themes and the very serious ones. And it's it's very, very brutal. And like, that's just the first few chapters has um, so many different um, triggering themes in there. Uh, it can't be without, you can't read a book like that without there being some kind of balance and come out the other side feeling good about it. You know, um, Salem, Ezra and Baltese together are that, for this book um, and they get to be more later on but just for this book they serve as being um, a little bit of a balance with the bleak and Ezra in particular is um, he's 
he like I I hope other people like him because I certainly did he's definitely my favorite of the side characters mm-hmm. he was fun or he yeah his he. pronouns are he so I very he. much appreciate the conversation surrounding pronouns with Ezra um, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know that I've seen a, a situation specifically where the the idea of pronouns or preferred pronouns is brought up with characters. And we get that moment in this scene, which is really nice. Um, he also, so uh, Dawson asks him, like, are you a man or a woman? What do I call you? And he says, never lower me to such mundane names as man or woman. Um, I really love this moment. I uh, So I started like a to become a sex educator. I started the coursework for that recently. And I never really understood how extremely limiting and polarizing um, our language is in terms of like binary terminology for describing gender and sexual orientation in, in modern language until just now. Yeah. Well, Ezra's a, he's a bit of an enigma to Dawson at first and this and like the whole setting of the book kind of allows for it because as you said she's come into the valley and she really knows nothing you know everything is quite overwhelming and, and quite surreal um and she comes from a place where everyone kind of like there's there isn't anything like fashion you know there's no um expressing yourself in that manner everything's about survival you wear as many layers as you can to keep warm to save yourself from exposure she comes into the valley and, and um, is brought to this inn and meets these characters. And one of them is Ezra, who um, he's this tall, hulking black man, but he also likes to wear um, dresses and gowns and like he has expensive taste, you know, and he's really, really extroverted and out there and um, outspoken and he wears makeup and she sort of looks at him and is kind of confounded because she's never come across anyone such as he. And because she has this sort of raised by wolves personality um, where she has no concept of, you know, polite etiquette, she just kind of comes out and says, are you a man or a woman? Um, Wherein he says that he likes to think that he kind of transcends either, you know, he's Mm -hmm. um, queer, he's a gay man, but he goes by he for the sake of conversation, you know, so he's gender non-conforming and he's gay. and Dawson kind of looks at him and shrugs his shoulders and goes, okay, noted. Mm-hmm. And they move on. Um, yeah, I really liked that conversation between the two of them as well. When Dawson goes to confront the queens, I, you know, I was like panicking. And we talked about how like she doesn't like class and rank and things like that. Um, they don't really mean anything to her. But she says this thing to them and it just, oh, it was so good. She says, my family lived and died in a corner and pinprick of your world. And I am owed an opportunity to speak with the rulers who left us there to freeze. Oh, call them out. I just yeah. love that moment moment so much. Like it everything. Just calls that, everyone out. Yes. Like <laughs> I just love uh, uh, the balls like she oh yes <laughs> I love that moment so much and she calls the queens out again later on and it's just spectacular yeah well she that moment you know she really knows nothing about mm-hmm. um the history of the legend how they came to be there or why they came to be there mm-hmm. um all she knows in, when she first confronts those queens is that 
they've all been living this luxurious lifestyle down in the valley that she's only just beginning to learn about while they've been up there and she wants to know why it is that they felt it not in their duty to do a thing about it you know mm-hmm. um so like she's still angry and resentful then mm-hmm. but it's that it's definitely on a lesser level because she knows less and she still calls them out <laughs> I just um feel like that's her character mm-hmm. yes well in the whole process of uh, so later on understanding why the people of the ledge are on the ledge and how they got there. I just thought that was absolutely ge- genius. From the start, I've been questioning, how did they even get there? Why are they there in the first place? And like, when we find out, oh, it's because they were sold there to the glaciers yeah. and that's why they put them on there. I was like, um, look at you, ma'am, dropping all these subtle little hints that I didn't pick up until just now. <laughs> like oh okay all of these things yep that that totally I just thought it was brilliant um and then when it when it all comes oh yeah um ma'am you have done a great job yes I don't count myself as particularly good at um plot twists per se um but I worked really hard this time around on this particular manuscript so that was one of my hopes was that I was able to I don't know pull it off in some small regards so glad to hear it love to hear it yes yeah I loved it I thought it was so clever um and because of that I was so pissed off (laughs) like I just felt so betrayed on behalf of Dawson and the people of the ledge that these assholes basically sold them and then that the queens have the audacity to basically say like, well, Dawson, your grandma was the princess. And I don't really think she had the stuff to make a decision like this. I was like, excuse you. (laughs) Pardon? (laughs) Come again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I wouldn't say that to a person with an ax either, but (laughs) you do you, Elvira. Oh yeah. You righteous bitch. She's horrible. <laughs> she is. I was so mad. And then I was like, I was mad at everyone. I was mad particularly at these Queens because uh, honestly, just the audacity and the way that they talked about her grandma, especially because they have like a freaking statue of her in the middle of town or whatever. And everybody leaves these candles and things and, and then they're going to talk shit about her. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's a choice you can make I guess okay um I just and then I thought that's really suspicious like I think they were just trying to usurp some power and she yeah I don't know she it seems like she pretty conveniently disappeared onto the ledge so yeah yeah precisely um it all seems to have played out rather well in Elvira's regard and I'm pretty sure Dawson doesn't buy it Mm-hmm. um I don't know why I say pretty sure because I'm a freaking author <laughs> so I should know but do you know what I mean like as I was writing uh-huh. that, like, I, Dawson's gonna see right through that so I can't make it seem that Dawson's like just sort of hears that explanation and goes oh okay fair enough yeah okay I got it no problems you know um so pretty much throughout the whole book she was suspicious you know mm-hmm. yeah well, I, I think at one point she describes kind of like she, the way that she processes the information that she gets from people. So she hears it and then she looks for the gaps 
in the, in the things that they're not saying, which I don't, I just love her. She's so clever and, oh, very cunning. mm -hmm. I don't, she, she calls the Queens out again in that moment. And I'm just like, oh, I hope she kills them. I hope she kills them (laughs) so badly. (laughs) The amount of people that have said that to me, I am here for it. I love it. (laughs) Good God. Tell me that she kills at least one of them in the next book. I'm like, I will not tell you a thing, but I like that you, that you want it to happen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're inspiring bloodlust. Yeah. That's my, that was the goal in the entire thing. (laughs) I just want to incite violence and anarchy. Yes. Here for the chaos. (laughs) Now you sound like Vicky. Yeah. Vicky is always for the chaos. Yes. (laughs) Very much for the put it down mentality. Mm -hmm. I was unprepared for how hot Ryan speaking about his desire for Dawson was going to be. Like, I think my whole body clenched when he was like, I will bury myself inside you. It's like, okay. Do it then, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where um, do I sign up? Let's go. Yeah, I, um, I remember I I sent Ledger, because I was self-publishing Ledger at first, so I I sent it out to be uh, beta read, right? And I had a couple of trusted friends and I, who were also writers and I went here you go like give it a read and one of them was kind enough to give me like a play-by-play of her reactions as she was reading it which was hilarious <laughs> but she got to that scene as well and I just got this message from her and I, I was at work and my phone went off and I just had this great big like cat locks and a million emojis that were all <laughs> related to like vaginas and penises and um it's just her saying, okay, Ryan, bet. And like, you know, 17 exclamation points. I'm like, <laughs> did he just say he was going to bury herself inside? And she's like, yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> oh, it was great. The sex scenes were also great. Um, I was, so I think that you, I, I can't remember if this was on TikTok or Instagram where you posted some comments about the awful words that get used for vaginas yeah like yeah the the ones that I hate in particular like channel and yes etc we could do it all day yeah yes so did you were there words that you really consciously tried to avoid when you were writing your sex scenes well I will say that that TikTok was a mistake because what it did was open a floodgate for people to pound the comment section with all of the um innuendos that they hate right (laughs) and so they did that and I was like all right well my list is getting a little sparse like there's only so many words that I can I'm pretty sure everyone and other authors were in that comment section going so what's left if we can't use any of these words in the comment section like what's left and I'm like you might actually just have to use the word vagina like I'm sorry but you might actually just have to say his penis goes into her vagina I don't know what you want me to say Mm -hmm. um obviously if you're going to write a sex scene that just says that it's going to be it's it's probably not going to hit the right marks you know (laughs) um it's going to sound like a sex ed lesson instead yep very Um, anatomical (laughs) yeah so I stopped looking at that comment section and I just thought about like what like I just avoided the things that I personally don't like you Mm -hmm. know um yeah the replacement words and the synonyms that I just I personally that just make me crease I 
and just stayed away from those ones and um, use the ones that I find uh, more acceptable. It was quite a, a tricky thing as well because I knew that on the spice level of things, I wanted it to be somewhere around like a two out of five for spice, mm-hmm. um, which means not using a shit ton of expletives during um, the sex scenes as well. Uh, and like the reason for that is just so that it meets certain markets, I suppose. Um, and it's something that I knew uh, when I was uh, being published, when I got my published deal, they agreed with, they sort of said, like, we need it to, like, we'd like it to stay around a two out of five on the on the old spicometer. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of my comfort level in writing those types of scenes as well. Um, when I read, it's not like, I'm like, give me a five out of five any day. But uh, writing wise, I was comfortable at a sort of a two out of five. So I had to be conscious that I wasn't using um, super explicit language um, and I kept it at a certain level. So yeah, writing the sex scenes is actually really tricky. Um, I found it quite challenging and um, I've just finished drafting book two and I found it challenging once more, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get better at it and it's fun to write, but yeah, it is tricky. I do like the way you describe um, orgasms in this, right? They sound pretty kind of, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but. They sound pretty. Yeah, like it's, uh, someone told me that my sex scenes are, are poetic and I was like, I'm not sure whether that's an insult or not, but I'm going <laughs> to take it as a, as a compliment. Um, I think I probably resort to, um, yeah, again, I'm like, I'm not sure pretty is the right way, but I think I'd probably resort to like whimsical language to describe things like orgasms and, um, and things to kind of keep it under that little spice level, you know? Yeah. You know, I like that. I'm so used to like, so many, so much of it sometimes is like, oh, and she was like thrashing or something. And I was like, this seems very <laughs> yeah. so nice. It's excessive. Yeah, it's a little excessive. Yeah. Well, and I, I throw think- my back out. That's all <laughs> I can ever think about when I read those scenes. And I'm like, she is obviously under 30 because I, I could never. <laughs> we didn't have to wait a very long time for the sex though. So felt like yeah it was a good slow burn oh it was, it was a good slow burn there was a lot I yeah I get mixed reviews on that but some people that like it's funny how like all our thresholds for slow burn are different because to me this was a slow burn but to other people they're like oh it felt like insta love and I was like oh okay that's interesting and other people go it was too slow they should have fucked way earlier um so I get like a like strange scope of opinion and I've got to try and work my way through that at the end of the day I just have to go I this is the pace that I liked so that's what I wrote um but it's funny hearing everyone's like threshold for it it was like what I liked about it is okay so it was a slow it was a slow burn but like you did like they kissed relatively early on they had a lot of that like still intimacy sort of before the actual sex and so yeah yeah I, I did it, you know that eased the <laughs> the pain of learning a the little anticipation. bit. Anticipation, yes, yeah, sort of like teasers. Mm-hmm. Oh, he starts calling her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds Russian, or at least in my head, Malishka. Yeah, it is Russian. Okay, Malishka is the word, and I'm pretty sure in Russian they pronounce it a little bit differently. But yeah, that's where I got it from. Okay. Most of the made-up words 
like iskra, for example, is Russian for spark. Um, most of the words in there, the made up sort of Galician words were derived from sort of um, Russian language. language. Um, I don't, I, don't ask me why, I don't know, just cause. <laughs> it does get very cold there in some of those areas, so. Maybe that's why. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know, maybe I, yeah, I have no idea why. Um, I picked that language. I've always really loved that language though. Like it sounds very, I don't know, very broody, very sexy to me. So maybe that's why I picked it. I'm not sure there was any conscious thought. I just, um, when you're making up languages from in, like in a fantasy art made up language, um, I tend to just, and I know other authors are similar. I tend to find actual meaning in words and try and find those words in other languages and then just change them very slightly. So they're not completely Russian, like Iskra is not completely Russian. Um, Malishka is not um, Russian. They're just um, inspired by um, Russian words, I suppose is the best way to put it. Yeah, I love knowing where authors get their like language from, you know, in books, because I don't know if I could ever just come up with a language. <laughs> you know yeah it feels it feels very shallow just sort of plucking um a random assortment of letters from the air and going look at me I made a new word I mean we do that sometimes anyway don't we when we're making up names for characters especially in fantasy it feels like we're just plucking a, a random assortment of syllables and going that'll do um but when it comes to a language, it felt very uh, shallow. I think that's probably why most writers will resort to taking a language that already exists or used to exist and then just altering it slightly. That's that's what I did anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, Ryan is so sweet, especially towards the end. So I liked that we kind of had like chapters from his point of view, you know, like it was still um, third person, but we got more of his, you know, um, narrative from it. Yeah. Um, so he has just some like great things. So when he was talking about getting her people from the ledge, right? When he says he'll fly each one off of that precipice himself if he must, each one of them is her. I was just like, oh, yes. Yeah. Just... He really is just like a cinnamon roll, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Personally, those are my favorite kind of heroes. The ones that um, look bad and mean, that are in actual fact quite gentle. Um, mm -hmm between the two Dawson is like the hard one she's she's the grumpy one um I see Ryan as a lot softer than what she is mm -hmm. yeah yeah he cares for her an inexplicable amount in you know he doesn't really he's not really able to explain it to himself or even to her or to anyone else he's just sort of attached mm -hmm. like a golden retriever oh <laughs> I loved uh, him. He was so sweet. But I did. Did you ever see the cartoon Gargoyles? Being brought up to me before. Okay. So my brain made him the hot gargoyle in that cartoon. And nice. I, know <laughs> oh, I love that for you. I know he doesn't have a tail. I've also read like a lot of gargoyle romance um, somewhat recently. So it's, I don't know what to do with it. Um, did you fan cast him? Is there like a person that you fan casted him as like in your mind? Mm, kind of. Um, he, I think I pictured like um, 
a reggae jean page like Bridgerton Simon. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, but I guess like bigger, bulkier with wings. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people have given me other options and I'm sort of like, mm, I think your option might be better than mine. Oh, <laughs> so that's the fun thing about readers fan casting um, your characters. One of the great joys of being a writer. It's interesting um, looking at who everyone else is sort of pictured. Mm-hmm gargoyles being one of them which has oh come up gosh. three separate times now <laughs> really oh so it's not yes just me. oh my gosh okay. no it's not just you <laughs> not just you at all how interesting i know so ryan and and dawson they they embark on ryan's plan to overthrow king bastille and um to liberate the hybrids and they get back to the um the camp where the the hybrids live and they they discuss their plan and then they purposely get captured but we don't know that they purposely get captured until later and i had so much anxiety <laughs> like they're like oh yeah things went exactly to plan and i was like you did this on purpose it's very smart but i was very stressed out <laughs> Well, I mean, they kind of just walked up to the palace, you know. There was yeah. like no. <laughs> it was like, I was like they don't seem like they're trying too terribly hard here. It's like they they must have something going on. They're not fighting too much. No. See, Vicky Pitt was picking up what I was putting down. She did. I mean, there were a lot of moments <laughs> where they like almost died several times. So, so they like get captured and are roughed up and then they get thrown in the pool and they almost die and then they get thrown into the chasm and they almost die again and ryan is like oh i'm falling i need to wake up oh and so is dawson oh my god i guess we should live um and i was just very anxious i loved it it was amazing but i was stressing that's that whole yeah that's that whole string of scenes in a nutshell well done yeah it was a lot (laughs) it was really good I was stressed out. <laughs> Very stressful. Up towards the end there, nonstop stress. But I loved the your description of when they're in the um, Iskra. Is that how you're saying it? Yeah. In the pool? Yeah. Yeah, in the pool, right? And um, how it's described is like she hears like whispers and it's like, oh, come away. And she feels calm sort of thing there's something about that description and also the whole breathing like oh like if you like breathe that's not really water you're not gonna drown yeah I just yeah. love that sort of like all trickery almost and yeah so yeah fun fact um I got to that scene and that's when I went back to the beginning of the story and put in the song from chapter two Oh, yeah so the song from chapter two is the same as what the israel whispers to her in the pool oh my god i did not realize that look at you being amazing yeah. <laughs> so yeah. clever oh my gosh it's funny how I, uh, yeah there's been a few people now that i've said that to and they're like oh shit i didn't know <laughs> I'm like oh okay 
I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I like to think that it's a good thing. That I, I can think it's sneak a great thing. Look at, you. I mean, uh, yes, sneaking is right. Oh, I yeah. love that. I, I highlighted yeah. song and I still, I did not catch that. That's, oh. Huh. Yeah, so like the uh, the poem says something like, um, uh, seal your eyes, cease your breath. And that's what the Isra is saying to her in the pool as well. It's sort of trying to lure her to her death and telling her to close her eyes and to stop breathing. And she sort of fights against it. Mm. Okay, but she got this from her grandmother. So how did her grandmother know this? Well, you'll have to keep reading the rest of the books and find out. You will see. Oh my gosh. You will see, you will see. Uh, oh, now I'm, oh, what else did I miss? Oh, Marissa's okay. <laughs> stress. I'm stressed around her. <laughs> You've broken her. I've broken her. <laughs> well, that's very clever. I'm going to have to read this again, like immediately, because I'm convinced now that I missed some other things too. So that's awesome. <laughs> All right. So Dawson and Ryan live um and lead a rebellion and I got to that point and I thought I bet Vicky really enjoyed that did you really enjoy that Vicky of course I did and I'm very much hoping and looking forward to there being another rebellion in somewhere along the line in this series <laughs> um nothing but rebellion really so you're in for a treat because fantastic I I like love I it. said earlier we're in it for the chaos mm -hmm. I love it yeah I love a good uprising um, now they just need like a catchy slogan and a Vicky would join the cause. I would. <laughs> I would. I'll be out there. You make it sound like Vicky's like just an easy target to initiate into a cult. You know. <laughs> if, <laughs> no denial, so I'm guessing it's true. I'm like if they had a really catchy slogan that I could like, you know get behind okay. yeah probably like right. a pretty cool emblem or something some nice merch oh yeah she's in vicky's on yep. board so like i'm dying to know what happened to bastille they so there are eight pure-blooded glacians left everybody else is dead or they disappeared bastille the king is gone like there's no way he's not just hiding somewhere plotting his next next steps i'm assuming we're going to he's got to come back he has got to come back in the future. And oh, maybe hard about like how he would come back, though. There are only like eight people, you know, to like support him. How is he going to take yeah. down all of them? How like, indeed? How indeed? Well, he made a deal with the, he doesn't the have queens his before. Anymore. Yeah. Mm. I feel like he's the bad guy never stays gone. Of course not. Never do. He's Unless not the only bad guy, though. No, but he's one of them. Um, I'm speculating alliance with the human queens, or maybe he flew himself up to the ledge and is just murdering all of the humans for funds because funsies because he's pissed. Oh, but I he's got. I feel like he's got to come back in some way. Mm -hmm. Or not confirm or deny your aspersions, but it is fun to listen to them. Damn it. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Let's um. Can we can we talk about the like the last chapter in this book? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> Do you want me to for it? 
Like, why can't we have nice things? <laughs> like, because I don't want you to have them. Oh, like you told us, you told us when we talked to you last time that it was going to end on a cliffhanger. So I knew, I knew to expect one. And my, like, son of a bitch, I just <laughs> not prepare. <laughs> When we spoke with you last week, you said, like, yeah, it's like a bit of a cliffhanger. So I was thinking, like, they're kidnapped. They get separated. This was not the cliffhanger. No. Expecting. This was huge. Yes. I apologize on behalf of myself and the publishers <laughs> and my agent and my parents. <laughs> oh. oh, I mean, I was thinking, like, this feels too good to be true, right? Everything is going yeah. too well. It was wrapped up a little too nicely. Yes. For this to be the end of the first book, like there's no way, I, I don't know. I was starting to doubt, but I was just so hopeful. I, I was, I was oh. so, and my hopes were dashed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so just these cut down so brutally, <laughs> much like Ryan. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, Ooh. oh, it was hurtful. The, oh, okay. So like, a like just so many things happen so ryan gets just stabbed right in the heart and i felt it i too Um. stabbed in the heart (laughs) (laughs) like he cannot really be dead right like um dawson has the iskra and she came back from being poisoned so ryan has got to be still alive he's got the magic he can't be really dead unless again that's that's like that's a good aspersion (laughs) i i also i hope that but if we are getting like you know um tamlin or something yeah what if i'm just Sarah J. Mass in your asses. I could be. Oh my gosh. I'm that type. I don't uh, know what, what I would not do? the end game? I would oh. be crushed. Oh my gosh. I would be oh. absolutely heartbroken. Mm. Yeah. So the queen has essentially accused him of making a deal with her to kill Dawson mm-hmm. that he hasn't come through on. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. Did he make the deal and then did he decide otherwise because he fell in love with her? Like what's what's going on? Okay. So. This feels like research for me. I should be taking notes. <laughs> he seemed confused when they were like, you didn't follow up on your end of the bargain. So my one, and she was, the queen was very quick to like jump in with the words. So my thinking was like, she was trying to poison Dawson against him and then she killed him. So he couldn't deny it. Mm -hmm. So it's either that, or, you know, maybe he did like make a deal with the Queens and was actually supposed to kill Dawson and I like I think it's maybe gonna hurt my feelings a little bit if that's the case because she's been looking the whole time for some type of evidence that he actually sucks and if that's the case oh it doesn't make queen to for them to have made a deal before like you know he um before they come down the mountain like is she aware that Dawson was 
taken by, you know, taken to the palace? Like, because why wouldn't she want to, like, to have killed out the line before then? Found a different way to do it, you know? So, like, an excellent question. <laughs> to get to the bottom of the mountain and then, like, made a deal with the queen. I don't know. Like, I mean, uh, I'm trying to remember if there was any recognition when they saw him the first time when they go to the pal, um, they go to see the queens, whether or not they recognize him. I can tell you that there wasn't. Okay. So they didn't recognize him? No. Okay, so it must be, I, I think it's probably made up, right? No, oh, no, wait, then they would have had to make the deal after that, if there is a deal. Right. Crazy, stop. <laughs> these things i just like hearing like at where people's mind wanders with this like a fun little sadistic game for me (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know i don't know what to think and then they throw her in jail i don't know i don't know well i guess if he's dead that whole point about like the deal, whatever. But if he's alive and they manage to catch up, as long as she gives him a chance to explain, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm hoping there's a reasonable explanation. Communicate. Mm-hmm. It has to do a lot of groveling. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Groveling good. I do love a good grovel. Yeah. Yeah. So many things. There's a lot of things. I'm also very curious what the queen. So the queens are like, mm, I don't. My perception of this at the end was like, mm, I'm not going to deal with any of the things that you've just brought to us. Uh, let's kill Ryan. We'll throw uh, Dawson in jail and um, go to dinner. Bye. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very curious what is going to happen next because it's pretty obvious they've been lying to the people about what actually happens with the glacians because the um guards think that they eat the humans they think that that's what's happening and uh dawson brings up the pool and the queen's like i know about the pool and that cuts it off so obviously it seems like the the guards don't really know what the pool is and uh, um Correct. Yeah. So I feel like this might be where the next rebellion comes in. Um, because like, you can't just leave the people on the ledge. That's really shitty, especially if there's not a King anymore and the hybrids have taken over Glacian territory. And, uh, um, then I also had a thought like, uh the pool of iskar gives people immortality um and i don't think this is mentioned but if the queen knows about it and now we know that dawson's grandma knew the song like has she been has she been um sipping from the pool or have access to it or oh is the queen how is this does she is she's elderly right i don't is she described as looking old yeah she's yeah, she's described as having wrinkles and grey mm-hmm. hair. Um, but there is a point where in the story as well, and this is not a spoiler, this is just in the book, but um, 
just before uh, Dawson and Ryan head to Glacier to lead the rebellion. Um, they're collecting weapons and things from Ezra and Ezra said something like, you know, don't tell anyone where you got these from. I think those queens would drink my blood if they got the chance. And Baltese says they'll drink, they'd drink something worse. So, <gasps> yeah right mm. right so you are so good <laughs> I'm just I'm just like I'm just sprinkling that in there do with that what you will there's a lot of in it why I like Baltese's character as well yes. because she's an unassuming character in book one but we also know that she can she can read minds so but we don't learn much about what she knows so what does she know mm. I just want to know all of the things. This is killing no, me. For a year. Whole year. Whole year. I know. Uh, it's mean. <laughs> I can give you guys an arc. It won't be it won't be a whole year. It can be a little bit less than a year. Yeah. <laughs> you can have an arc. Yay. <laughs> That's better. Everything's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but is it? Ish. Fine ish. Okay. 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 Marissa's <laughs> <laughs> so stressed. I have am sweating. <laughs> <laughs> like I love it. It's a great story. And it was told in an amazing way. And the ending was fantastic, even though it killed me. Um oh, but damn. <laughs> Well, thank uh, you both for reading it. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you I, for Yes. It was great. No problem. Yeah. Well, uh, Stacey, is there anything? Uh, uh, we've kept you for a long time. Is there anything else that you want to share um, that we haven't touched on? Uh, no, just that book two, uh, the title for book two had, was sort of announced at the end of book one. So anyone that bought book one um, might have seen uh, the title of book two and when it will be released. So book two is called Chasm and it's going to be released on the 12th of September next year. It'll come around quick, I promise. Yes, 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 it will. Um, well, Stacey, we are so appreciative of your time and that you um, joined us to discuss your book with us. It has been a pleasure, as always, and extra special special because it's it's your book. And um, like a year ago, we yeah. talked to you and you were getting ready to release a book and it's 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 come to, I don't know, it feels like a full circle moment. Come so. to fruition. It does yeah. feel like a full circle moment for me too. Yeah. I love it. I'm super thrilled that you got to read Ledge and we got to do a podcast about the book and actually really get into it. And yeah, it's been such a pleasure. So I can't thank you enough. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, we appreciate you. We are looking forward to reading Chasm. All righty. <laughs> Well, that wraps up our coverage of Ledge with Stacey McEwen. If you haven't read it, um, we've spoiled everything for you now, but still go read it and buy it and read it <laughs> and review it, do all of the things, and also follow her on TikTok and Instagram at Stace Bookspace. Um, and we hope that you join us next week as well. We um, are kicking off Monster Smash October. We'll be discussing monster romances 
all month and we're starting things off with soul to keep by opal rain so we hope you join us for that as well thank you for listening thank you for listening to literary quest we hope you enjoyed our episode if you'd like to follow us on social media we can be found at literary quest podcast on instagram or facebook you're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com thanks again Thank you.